In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Whenever I visit folks in the hospital, I religiously follow the signs that are everywhere, foam in, foam out. And maybe this is a sign that you've seen before visiting in the hospital or if you've been in the hospital yourself. Or maybe you don't have any sort of framework for what such a phrase could mean. But in all hospitals now, there will be a hand sanitizing station on the outside of a patient's room and just inside the patient's room. You're supposed to get some on your way in and on your way out to try to limit transmission. I follow these signs not just because I tend to be a rule follower, but because in my training in seminary, I spent some time working as a hospital chaplain, and that time deeply formed me. In fact, I can still describe to you the sound that each machine made as you pressed in, how the cool foam coated your hands with an aloe protectant to try to keep your hands from drying out after doing this a hundred times a day. But the most prominent memory for me is of the smell of that sanitizing foam. The first time I was called to talk with a family for whom death of the matriarch was not far off, I remember the smell as I rubbed my hands and introduced myself to this family. I greeted amongst the smell of this foam generations of mourning people. We talked a bit about what was to come. And then, as things do when someone is close to death, they began to tell stories. They began to tell stories of kayak trips gone terribly wrong, of getting lost in the middle of the desert in Arizona, of times of deep poverty and deeper faith, and how this woman was the center of it all. In this room full of too many people, each carried their own memories and their own purposes. Nurses floated in and out silently and slowly preparing for death in the way that they are trained to do. And I was struck by how vast and varied all of our differing experiences were in that room and how God was present in ways far beyond what any of us could have imagined. And nothing reminds me of that moment, of this crucial moment, like the smell of that particular brand of hospital brand hand sanitizing foam. This is kind of how I imagine the way the disciples recall the scene that we heard read from the gospel according to John today. I wonder if the smell of the perfume that Mary used to anoint Jesus' feet would eventually remind Lazarus of his sister's faithfulness in the wake of Christ's death. I wonder if the smell of it began to serve as a prompt for Judas to regret his thieving choices and to question his coming betrayal. I wonder if the smell of the fragrance began to be a source of grounding for Mary, a reminder of the one whom she loved and followed as grief overwhelmed all of the disciples in the days after his death. We can all imagine this scene around the table, 
It's one of the most visually engaging stories of Christ and his disciples. They sat around this familiar table in a familiar home, not just with the Christ, but also with Lazarus after he had died and been raised again. The smell of the food, the sound of the dishes, the conversation that continually turned to what we now call the passion of Christ. Jesus was avoiding being found because it was not yet his time. Martha was serving the people and Mary opens this jar of perfume. And it's not just an expensive jar of perfume. It's worth 300 denarii or almost a year's salary. And she kneels to Christ and anoints his feet and wipes it with her hair. A deeply intimate act that signifies not only Christ's kingship, but also begins the long walk to his impending death. The smell begins to flood the whole room and with its fragrant scent and Judas decides to speak up. He begs the question, how dare this woman waste this perfume? How dare this woman waste such a valuable item and not sell it and give the money to the poor? This question is a question that Christians for generations have struggled with. But what we see here is a bad faith question with a veneer of Christianity. Because he had hoped to fool the others. Because his question comes not from a place of charity and love and compassion, but from greed. As he was actively stealing from the disciples and Jesus. We can all imagine this scene with its abundant details and characters. But I would also ask if perhaps there are ways that this scene goes beyond what we can imagine. It might not be for you, but I think it's hard for me to imagine Jesus letting Judas stay at the table. Jesus knows not only of the theft that Judas is actually committing, already committing, but of the betrayal that will come in a week's time. And yet he lets him stay at the table. It's hard to imagine the ways in which Lazarus would be post-death and resurrection. Was his skin restored and the smell of death gone? Or did it linger on one of Christ's greatest miracles? It's hard to imagine Mary's faithfulness and willingness to use something so valuable that most of us would store it away and use it sparingly. It's hard to imagine the ways in which God is preparing us for an abundance far beyond what we can imagine. That God is preparing us for something far beyond what we can imagine to happen around our own tables as well. This is our last week of Lent before Holy Week. And in it, we begin to prepare. Much like Mary and Martha did in our gospel texts, we begin to prepare for the long walk to the cross.
we turn this week to the ways in which God is preparing us for the abundant Easter joy, for an abundance far beyond what we can imagine. And the good news, bad news of this is that it's not just in the perfumey ways of Mary's act of devotion, but that God's abundance also extends to the complicated ways of allowing Judas to remain at the table. We turn this week to the abundance that God is cultivating in us with faith and prayer and trust that it will be good and worth it. This classic scene before Christ's crucifixion requires us to let our imaginations run. It requires that we somehow leave space, not just for the good-smelling perfume of devotion, but also for the potential stink of resurrected death. That we leave room for our fellow disciples, and maybe even ourselves, to miss the mark. To miss the mark so much that we would question God's abundance. This scene makes us face a reality that was not only present, Christ present to Mary's outpouring of faithfulness, but also for Judas, who failed to be convicted by the way of the cross. This scene requires that we accept God's abundance is not just for the Marys or for those of us who are Marys on our good days, but also for the Judases. That God in God's goodness holds a future that lies far beyond what any of us can imagine and that this is what God is preparing us for. We have two more long weeks till Easter Sunday. And most people that I've talked to about Lent say that this Lent has actually felt like two years. We have two more long weeks to walk the path of the cross. But believe me when I say that God is cultivating in us both you individually and us collectively a sense of Easter joy that thought lies far beyond what any of us can hope or imagine. There is something so divinely elaborate that even a jar of perfume that costs a year's salary is not enough to capture the imagination. And this is the invitation of today to let this sense of possibility and hope that God is cultivating in us be our foundation, to be our foundation for these next two weeks, to let a sense of joyful imagination begin to break through, like a bud that finally breaks through the frost. These last couple weeks of Lent, we begin to slowly turn and to remember that where we are, no matter where you are, but where we are is not where we are called to go. 
to remember that through life's varied and swift changes that our hearts can be fixed upon God's abundant love, upon God's abundant imagination, and that this is the only place where true joy can be found. For the days and weeks to come, this is my hope and prayer, that we will allow God's abundant imagination to guide our heart and our actions and our choices so that in two weeks' time, we may be ready to step into the true joy when Easter finally comes. Amen.